now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Witness Radio, the only show that doesn't care about ratings because our sole purpose is to save souls on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and information about the show. You can also connect with us on various social media or by calling 513-900-8070. I've been dealing with illnesses and other things going on. My family in general, we, we've been dealing with illnesses for the past month. And it is, it's rough. And to be honest, I, I think it's been kind of a spiritual attack. Because every time I would plan to go out and get interviews or... Every time I would plan to sit down and work on the show, I would feel like I was getting sick all over again or sick in a new way. Here's a perfect example. A few days ago, I was planning to go out and get some interviews on the street, talking to people about the gospel. And I got like an earache that caused a headache and also caused stomach ache and I just wanted to do nothing but lay down or pass out and I hadn't had any of these symptoms prior to that day it was totally new totally random and you know I've been kind of dealing with it for the past couple of days the the earache issue it's finally starting to go away I still have a little bit of weirdness in my ear uh, it's kind of like muted or muffled. It's really weird, but it's not bothering me enough that I I feel like I can record today, so that's good. Unfortunately, there are no interviews for this week regarding the topic that I wanted to that I'm going to address because of illness and other issues just going on. But I would ask that you would pray, please pray for me and for my family that any illnesses and ailments would leave us, leave our house, and that we would be able to glorify the Lord Jesus and continue working for him with all of our might. And I have to admit, there's also been a bit of laziness, a bit of procrastination going on. I don't like to do a show for Witness Radio without having witnessing interviews. And that's what I'm going to have today. It's very hard for me to put together a show without clips because I never feel like I know what to talk about. I never feel like I have enough information to share. And that that's something that I've got to work through. I've got to fight that. It happens uh, even in the few times where I'm asked to speak at a church or a conference. You know, I never feel like I have enough information. So please pray for me that I would not procrastinate or be lazy and that I would be able to get my thoughts out on the paper and in order so that I could produce shows that you want to listen to regardless of whether or not I have witnessing clips to fall back on. You're listening to Witness Radio. 
five explosions this morning around 8 a.m., two at the, the Brussels airport, international airport, three at the metro stations. Belgium News is reporting 23 are dead, more than 30 uh, injured. Um, and as Heather was saying, this comes just four days after the terrorists behind the, the Paris attacks, Salah Abdeslam, was captured uh, one day after a new Paris terrorist suspect was identified. But this is still a very fluid situation. Reports are just coming in, so we are giving you all the information as we are getting it. But, but Heather, the big question still remains, who is behind these attacks? We're hearing reports of a possible uh, suicide bomber, suicide vest, yeah. but that is the big question here that we just don't have the answer to at the moment. Yeah, the Associated Press and Reuters reporting that at least one of the explosions at the airport there was caused by a suicide bomber. Waleed Ferris reporting to us that his source is saying that there were at least three suicide vests located at the airport. Two explosions rocking the Brussels airport. At least one of those blasts carried out by a suicide bomber. It all happened around 8 a.m. local time at the airport. Then, just an hour later and a few miles away, attackers targeted a subway station in the heart of the city. In all, more than 130 people have been wounded and at least 26 people are dead. Most of those deaths at the metro station as it bustled with morning commuters. After devastating explosions in the de facto capital of Europe, ISIS now making a very bold claim that they are in fact responsible for what has happened and has played out on television sets all over the world. An online statement just claiming that several Islamic State fighters carried out suicide attacks at the main international airport in Brussels and a subway station near the headquarters of the European Union. Belgian authorities now put the death toll at 28, with almost 200 others hurt. Yet another terror attack upon many unsuspecting victims. My heart goes out to those people, to their families. I, I pray that the Lord Jesus would comfort those who are dealing with this tragedy personally. I pray that the Lord would draw people to him, that many might be saved as a result of this terror attack. I pray that those who are responsible for these attacks would be brought to justice. But more importantly, I pray that those people who are responsible would come to faith in Jesus Christ, because that would that will stop them from continuing in these heinous acts. Now, granted, I'm sure at least some of the terrorists that committed the acts in Brussels this past week are dead because they were suicide bombers. But for those that are planning future suicide bombing attempts, or for those that are working with these terrorist organizations, I do pray that you would repent, turn from your sinful ways, and put your trust in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Now, I say all that to say this, that in the midst of such tragedy, we can find hope. We can find hope in Jesus Christ and in what he did on the cross for us. He is the only one that provides hope in such a tragic time. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us 
in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The gospel is our comfort. The gospel is where we get comfort, where we get our joy, where we get our ultimate happiness. Not that it is a drawing card for salvation or for Christianity. It shouldn't be. But it is fruit of the gospel. It is part of the effects of the gospel in that we have joy. We have happiness. That doesn't mean that we won't be sad or angry at times. But we, our joy is not any, not in temporary things. Our joy is in things eternal. Our joy is in the Lord and what He did for us, saving us from our sins, saving us from the wrath of Almighty God, saving us from an eternity in hell, a punishment that we so, so very much deserve. Just as much as any terrorist, just as much as Hitler or Stalin, we deserve an eternity in hell. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that applies to all those who will repent and believe in the gospel. Say you wanted to share the gospel with people. You realize that people are hurting and are confused or they're scared regarding this attack in Brussels this week. What do you say to them? How, how would you share the gospel with them? We know that the gospel is our hope and that the gospel can be other people's hope. But how would we transition from talking about Brussels, this terror attack in Brussels? How would we transition into a gospel message or into a gospel conversation? Well, three ways that come to my mind is simply to ask them, you know, what happens when they die or what happens when people die? You know, referring to Brussels, what, what do you think happened to the people that, that died in, in the Brussels attack and go from there. Or another way you can word it is, where would you go if you were to die in this most recent terrorist attack? And one final way that I could think of, think to address transitioning into the gospel from the Brussels attack is, do you think the action of the suicide bombers will get them into heaven? Because that's why they commit suicide. They, they think that their actions automatically get them into heaven. What do you think? Do you think that's true? Do you think they, they're in heaven be, after what they've just done over there in Brussels? So those are three ways that you can transition from talking about the Brussels tragedy into sharing the gospel with people. Because, again, that is our hope. That is the only hope that matters. That is where we get our source of comfort. So what is this group that keeps blowing people up and, and attacking people? This group called that everyone calls ISIS. Most news stations call, call them ISIS. We hear the president occasionally mention them, calling them a JV team at one point, which is, I'm sorry, but it's a smack in the face of those who have any intelligence. The president, anyway, the president calls them ISIL. So is it... ISIS, ISIL, something else. Uh, who is this group? What are they? What are they all about? Well, ISIS goes by many different names, depending on who you ask and the date 
originally they were ISIS and they promoted themselves basically to ISIL and then to ICE or IS. Um, it refers to the Islamic State, or I should say the Islamic State group, uh, because many people do not uh, recognize this group as an official Islamic State. But ISIS stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, or the Islamic State of Iraq and Al-Sham. ISIL, I-S-I-L, stands for the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. IS stands for Islamic State. They've also been known as the Daesh. But one thing that I didn't know about and I want to bring to your attention is most news agencies will call this group ISIS because that's what we've been calling them for years. Uh, The president always calls this group ISIL, I-S-I-L. Why is that significant? Why is that important? Well, because the Levant, or IL, is referring to uh, the area over there in the Middle East that includes Israel. It is basically stating that we control this area, Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, which would be Syria and other areas, but it specifically includes Israel, thereby wiping Jews off, away from their nationality, away from their nation. That's significant because that's what they want to do. They want to rid the world of the Jewish people. So when you hear people referring to ISIS as ISIL, it is kind of a hat tip to say we are either connected with this group or we are at least friendly to this group because they have not taken over Israel and they have not taken over uh, the entire Middle Eastern nation area. So I would say if you're going to refer to this group, call them ISIS or the Islamic State group. I would not refer simply refer to them as the Islamic State because, well, they're not. And they're trying to be. They're trying to take over the Islamic or Muslim nations over there in the Middle East. They're trying to take over the Middle East. And essentially, they're trying to take over the world. They haven't gotten that big yet. Maybe that's why President Obama calls them a JV team, because they haven't gotten so big that they are considered a world threat. Even though there are over 60 countries that are designating this group as a terrorist organization and are actively waging war against them. Suffice it to say that it's basically a world war that hasn't been named a world war yet against this one group. So what else do we know about ISIS, about this group that is terrorizing millions of people around the globe? Well, they proclaimed themselves to be a worldwide caliphate in June of 2014. They claim to have religious, political, and military authority over all Muslims worldwide by stating that they're a caliphate. Most people reject their statehood or their caliphate. 
This group, ISIS, is referred to as a Salafi jihadist militant group. They are fundamentalists from the Wahhabi doctrine of the Sunni Islams. And as of December 2015, the group has much control over Iraq and Syria, where it definitely enforces Sharia law, which is basically you have to follow Islam or you die. Now, the CIA actually estimates that this group has 31,000 fighters and growing. The actual ISIS leaders claim 40,000, but they're losing them every day because they're blowing themselves up. Unfortunately, they're also gaining many people to fight for them or blow themselves up on their behalf. Why? I have no idea. How? I couldn't tell you. But there you are. Their, their numbers are growing, even though they're killing themselves. Now, most Islamic religious leaders have condemned the ISIS ideology and actions. They argue that this group is not part of true Islam that it does not reflect the real teachings or virtues of Islam or the Muslim religion. I disagree with that, and we'll get into that later. Uh, the United Nations, European Union, U.S., many other countries consider them to be terrorists. They are very skilled with social media, and that is their, their main recruiting tool to get people to sign up, to, to join them in their religious crusade in, in taking over the world for Allah and for the nation of Islam, or for the religion of Islam. They are notorious for their videos of beheading people, particularly Christians. So, what do we do with these people? Can we do anything with them? Yes, we can share the gospel with them. We'll be right back on Witness Radio. Come to the Big Apple to learn how you can share and defend your faith biblically. Use your training to witness to people from all walks of life in places like Times Square, Battery Park, Chinatown, even on the subway. Repentant Witness will push you to the limit from August 4th through the 7th. Register today at RepentantWitness.com to secure a spot. Sign up by May 10th and travel costs while you're in New York will be included for free. Are you ready for the ultimate mission trip? Go to RepentantWitness.com right now because space is very limited. Welcome back to Witness Radio. One of the things that we see with ISIS is that a lot of Muslims will condemn the ISIS movement or the ISIS group for their terrorist acts, saying that they're extreme or they're fundamentalists. Well, are they really? Or are they just adhering properly to what the Muslim beliefs are, or to the Islamic beliefs. Let me flip the coin for a moment and compare it to biblical Christianity. When I am out on the street and I'm sharing the gospel with people, possibly in the open air, I'll get comments from supposed Christians saying that I'm a fundamentalist or I'm an extremist because I do that. But am I being extreme in my faith? No, I am just doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian. I am following the tenets or the principles in my religion. So a fundamental Christian or an extreme Christian is the same in that sense as a fundamental or extreme Muslim. 
the fundamental and extremists follow their book. And I'm sure I'm going to have people upset with me for making that comparison, but, well, that's why this show doesn't care about ratings. Islam traces its roots back to Abraham from the Bible, which is why many people think that Muslims and Christians and Jewish people all worship the same God. Well, while we all get our lineage back to that same realm or area, we do not all worship the same God. The word Islam means to surrender or submission, which is fitting because they want you to submit or surrender to their religion. The holy book for the Muslims, they, they have a couple, uh, the main one being the Quran. It has 114 chapters or surahs, and it's very highly revered as the word of God to be taken literally by, by Muslims. The Muslims claim that the Quran was delivered by the angel Gabriel. It was given to Muhammad, uh, who they consider to be their main prophet and the final prophet of God, uh, who is greater than John the Baptist, who is greater than Jesus Christ. Yes, they, they do believe in Jesus, not the right Jesus, but they do believe in a Jesus Christ. Islam says that there were several prophets preceding Muhammad. Uh, Jesus was one. They also acknowledge Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. They do refer to the Old and New Testament. They do claim that those books are corrupted, at least somewhat. Muslims deny that Jesus was God or is God. They deny his deity. They deny his sacrifice on the cross. They, they do not believe that Jesus actually died on the cross. They say there is no sacrifice needed to be forgiven. You, you just need to have faith in Allah, their God, the Islamic God, that you need to have re repentance. You need to have obedience to Islamic law, which would include Sharia law, which says if you're not Muslim, you die. Another holy text or holy book is the Hadith. It's uh, authoritative, but it is not as highly revered as the Quran. The Hadith is considered to be inspired truths of God from the words of Muhammad, whereas the Quran is supposed to be exact words from Allah and is protected from corruption. They have a lot of different rituals and requirements of their faith. One thing that they do, it's an instant go-to-heaven thing, is a jihad, or a, a war upon those who are not Muslim, where, you know, that's why they have so many suicide bombers, is because they, it says, if you die for the cause of Mus the Muslim faith or the Islamic faith, you automatically go to heaven. And Islam is one of the fastest growing religions in the world. I wonder why. When they say convert or die. While many people say that, oh, Allah is just a term in Arabic for God. While that is true, that's not what they are referring to when they say Allah. They are referring to their specific God in the Islamic faith. Whereas if I were to call Yahweh 
by the term Allah, I would feel that would be blasphemy because that is not the God of the Bible. And anyone that says you should do that, like, for example, if you're in a Muslim country, you should talk about Allah, even though you're talking about the God of the Bible. No, no, I, I disagree. I don't think you should, because I, I think you're doing a tremendous disservice to the God of the Bible by calling him the by the same title as a false god, as a god that is no more real than Pinocchio. Anyway, went off on a little tangent there. Forgive me. All right, so how do you witness to Muslims? Well, one thing you want to do is try to find some common ground. And one area of common ground with them is the fact that they consider Moses to be a prophet. In fact, they agree with the Ten Commandments that they are from God. So go up to a Muslim, start up a conversation, get to talking about spiritual things, and say something along the lines of, so according to the Islamic faith, you kind of have to do more good than bad in order to get to heaven. Is, is that correct? How do you think you're doing? Do you think you're doing well enough to get to heaven? Well, would you mind if I asked you a few questions? You know, let, let me ask you about some of the Ten Commandments. You, you agree with the Ten Commandments, right? And then take them through the good person test. Have you told a lie? How many lies does it take to make you a liar? Have you ever stolen anything, even something small? And then I would definitely address the issue of lust and adultery. According to the Islamic faith, a Muslim man can have up to four wives, but that would be lust and adultery according to the Bible. So talk to him about lust, and has he broken that one? Has he looked with lust? Has he committed adultery in the heart? That would be a big one to touch on. Talk about hatred. They hate the Jews. They hate Christians. Now, they don't all say they do, but that is what is taught in their religion, is to hate Christians and Jews, which would be the same as murder. Going back to lying, the Koran says that it is okay to lie in certain circumstances. The Bible says it's not okay. It says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. It says all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and sulfur. So, Go through the commandments. Talk to them about their sin. Make it clear to them that they are not doing as well as they thought they would. In fact, make it clear to them that they could never appease God and that sin must be paid for. Take them to the courtroom scenario that you hear Ray Comfort and others use all the time. You have a $50,000 fine upon your head. You don't have the money to pay it. And just as the judge is about to throw you into jail, someone you don't even know comes into the courtroom, pays the fine on your behalf. The judge says you are now free to go if you're willing to receive this payment for your sin. If you're willing to accept this payment on your behalf, then you're free to go. Your fine will be paid. Your debt will be forgiven. Talk to them about the sacrifices in the Old Testament why there was so much sacrifice needed to cover the sins of mankind, and how we must have a sacrifice made in order to have our sins forgiven. And Jesus was that sacrifice. Now, granted, you more than likely will not have 
any Muslims falling to their knees, crying out to God in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ right there at your feet. But the goal is to plant seeds of the gospel into their hearts. And again, what is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord, according to the scriptures. The fact that he died on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind, that he was buried for three days, and that he rose again on that third day, defeating death and hell, and offering every one of us eternal life, if we would just repent, turn from our sinful ways, turn from our sinful nature, and turn to Jesus Christ and what he did, putting our trust in him and in him alone. That's what you need to focus on when witnessing the Muslims. Again, highly doubtful they'll be saved in the moment, but give them something to think about, to take home, and pray, pray for their souls. Pray that the Lord would use your faithfulness to share the gospel with them, to bring them to salvation one day before it's too late. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Witness Radio. And I want to remind you that the last episode of Witness Radio, episode 100, I was doing a contest, doing a giveaway. Go to the website, witnesstalkradio.org, and tell me about your favorite moment from the past 100 episodes of Witness Radio. You'll be entered to win a copy of Ray Comfort's book, The Defender's Guide for Life's Toughest Questions. Okay, so witnesstalkradio.org, enter the contest. Deadline is the end of the month. Make sure you get there to the website. Make sure you sign up. Make sure you enter the contest. You're listening to Witness Radio. If you enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please rate it and share the show with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. Witness Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.